Hello and welcome to the In Publishing Podcast. My name is James Evely and I'm the editor of In Publishing. Our guest today is an expert in subscriptions marketing and lead generation. Georgina Rushworth is head of marketing at Pharmaceutical Press and has had a number of senior marketing roles over the last 20 years or so. Georgina tells us why it's important never to rest on your laurels. Never stop looking for better ways to do things. I think there's always a change to be made to improve the customer experience and get better results. She also outlines her approach to management. To create and articulate a vision and marketing strategy that feels compelling to my team and aligns with the business objectives. And then also to empower my team to create their own response to the vision. Um, I don't want to be telling them to you know, dot the I's and cross the T's. I, I want them to be able to own their own response to how we should achieve that. And tells us why having a head for figures is so important in subs marketing. You know, looking at the numbers and analysing the data, I, you know, it has to be the best part of any subscriptions marketing marketer's job, or it has in mine anyway. Um, just to, you know, see the impact that your idea or an idea you built has created. I, I think that's that's part of the joy. Amongst other things. But first, a quick word about our valued sponsors. We would like to thank our podcast sponsor, Advantage CS, a leading global provider of subscription and membership management software. Capabilities include marketing, sales, payments, and customer relationship software for publishers, membership associations, and information providers. For more information, go to advantagecs.com. Georgina Rushworth has worked in subscriptions marketing for over 25 years, including a long spell at Read Business Information, where her roles included Head of Marketing and Subscriptions Marketing Director. Since 2019, she has been Head of Marketing at Pharmaceutical Press, the publishing arm of the Royal Pharmaceutical Society. Georgina, welcome to the In Publishing podcast. Hello, James, and thanks for having me. Now, you started your career as a subscriptions marketing executive at RBI in 1995. Um, How has the subs marketing role changed since then? Well, 1995 does seem a very long time ago. Um, I'd say that essentially nothing but everything has changed. Um, The core principles of understanding your audience, establishing a value proposition and finding the most effective ways to communicate, they remain, as does keeping to your budget and building campaigns that bring in sustainable ROI. I'd say the changes are driven by our audiences because they just do not sit and breathe our brands in the way that we believe they do. They can no longer tolerate our claims unless they're corroborated by someone they trust. They're easily distracted and their demands have grown and they expect instant gratification. Nowadays, marketing technology underpins most of what we do. And instead of, I remember sitting there looking at paperweights for brochures and how to efficiently distribute a mail shot, I'm now faced with challenge of data management and keeping track of users in multiple places, looking at their behavior and their engagement, and then working with multiple messages at scale at the same time. Um, So I'd say, yes, it is a bit of a challenge, um, but the core principles remain. So it sounds like the skill sets required to do the job that that they must have changed considerably too. Absolutely. Um, I think uh, a subscription marketer 
has to have the fine balance between well they always have had to have fine balance between the numeracy and the creative side and the analytical side but um, nowadays we need people who can you know harness the technology and get the full value from it rather than be scared by it or not know how to operate it Um, it sometimes does take a different type of person. Okay, and so what would you say over, over the course of the last 25 years or so have been the, the key lessons you've learned along the way as the role has changed and as the skill sets required have changed? Um, well, my key lessons, I'd say, is always make sure that I understand my audience's challenges and how the products that I'm marketing make it easier for them to face their challenges. That's paramount. Never stop looking for better ways to do things. I think there's always a change to be made to improve the customer experience and get better results. I'd say don't rest on your laurels. Um, Keep asking questions and listening to the answers, working out what they mean for you, not just listening blankly. What does it mean for me and my role and how do I achieve my goals? I think being in touch with your organization's goals and vision and making sure you understand how it affects you and what you need to do to ensure your role in that vision is purposeful and sustainable. And last, oh, when things... No, no, carry on, sorry. <laughs> carry on. <laughs> oh, my last uh, lesson I would say is well, when things don't go your way, take that learning and use it to reposition yourself, um, whether that's concerning a campaign or managing your own career. So it sounds like interdepartmental communications, understanding the organisation's goal are critical. Definitely. Presumably, you know, the the danger of some companies, you you hear it, you know, repeatedly of people working in silos. How, in your experience, is the best way of avoiding that situation? Oh, yeah, that's absolutely the wrong position to take. Um, Avoiding that situation... Um, is basically get to know everybody that you work with you know obviously your team um, as well as your peers as well as the you know the senior management and anybody that you work with they will all have a role to play in the achievement of your organization's vision so it's important to understand what their motivations are what they are doing to help that and how you you know I don't hate to use the phrase how you dovetail your efforts so that together you get there as opposed to going off at complete wrong direction. Makes sense. Makes sense. So you're now head of marketing at the pharma- at Pharmaceutical Press, which is part of the Royal Pharmaceutical Society. Could you give us a brief overview of the products you're marketing, the services you're marketing um, to, to the membership or to, the, to your customers? Yes, of course. Um, so Pharmaceutical Press, we're the Royal Pharmaceutical Society's knowledge business. And our evidence-based information is, is trusted by healthcare professionals around the world to help them make confident decisions. So a selection of our globally recognised brands, um, you may have heard of the British National Formulary, um, is published in partnership with the BMJ Group, and it's licensed by the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence for use in the NHS. And we update that content monthly um, because it provides healthcare professionals with evidence checked and practical guidance on prescribing, dispensing, administering medicines. Um, It's used in 129 countries and in the UK alone, it's referred to 600,000 times a day. So it's vital that um, that information is current and up to date. Um, and is, another, that also, is that served digitally? I presume it is. Yes, um, uh, we have. Um, it's available online, in print, and via an app. Okay. 
Uh, we have other brands, but I won't um, go into them because they could go on all day. Um, but one of our uh, other key brands is the Pharmaceutical Journal, and that's the official journal of the Royal Pharmaceutical Society, published way back when in 1841 for the first time. Wow. So as a marketing team, we're responsible for supporting the sales team by generating high quality leads for our resources, which sit on the online platform Medicines Complete, and also by helping sustain a low attrition rate. So that means that we're heavily focused on demand generation, lead nurture and customer engagement for audiences across quite a large variety of sectors. Um, So that's healthcare and hospital, pharmaceutical industry, community pharmacy and academia. So with these many different use cases by audience segment and healthcare frameworks varying significantly from country to country, it's actually quite a challenge. It sounds like it. But, uh, and um, are you typically, are your sales teams, are they typically selling, you know, subscriptions to your individual information products or membership of the society as a whole? Um, no, we're st- the business that the part of the business I work for, we're strictly in the knowledge side. So we are selling subscriptions to our resources through the Medicines Complete platform. And are those typically individual subscriptions or corporate and group ones? They are organisational wide. Yeah, we, we don't um, have institutional, uh, sorry, independent individual subscriptions. Now, I see the society from a recent announcement has been shortlisted um, by the PPA three times for their upcoming awards, which is great. Um, how would you say the publishing strategy and the output of pharmaceutical press has evolved over the last few years? Um, I'd say that like, Well, first of all, we were very excited to be shortlisted, so I don't want to let that one pass. Um, But like every other signal publisher, I'd suggest, of um, any kind of professional knowledge, we've we've placed all of our energy into the digital provision of our information. Um, As you can appreciate, in our sector, healthcare professionals just don't have the time to rifle through a library of printed books, and they need online access to, to independent information they can trust. We don't want them going off onto Google. So, um... What we're looking for is to optimise all of our resources uh, on the digital side and connect uh, with the benefits of digital distribution means that we can connect our content sets together. So people don't have to go into multiple texts. They can link from one to the other. And we've got various data tools such as the Stockley's Interactions Checker, which helps our customers or our users and healthcare professionals to check for interactions between drugs and drugs and food and other um, substances and you know by connecting the content sets so um, they're useful tools. Now you mentioned um, you know the the potential for some of your customers or potential customers to you know go on to Google and try their luck there I mean is that really a risk I mean would people in the business trust what they're finding on Google? It is a risk, actually. Um, I wouldn't suggest um, everybody's doing it, but it, it is a temptation when you are stuck for an answer. I mean, Google is going to link you to what you perceive to be a trusted um, source of information. Um, but obviously, we want to make sure that that our information is accessible to, to anybody that, that needs to um, make those decisions. And have you noticed demand go up? Obviously, with you know the the health crisis of the last year, has demand the nature of demand changed? Has it spiked? Um, yes, last year, um, well, we didn't see any dissipation in demand, uh, as you can appreciate. Um, 
we actually had to pull forward the launch of one of our content sets, which was um, aimed at the critical care um, units. And we, we just knew it was a necessity um, as there's a huge demand for information in those areas. So it was paramount that we, we, we got that information live in a shorter time frame as possible and make sure that it was accessible to, to as many people as possible. And we gave it we gave it to the NHS for free and to all of our customers on Medicines Complete. Wow. Wow. So in terms of COVID, you know, obviously that's been the big story over the last year for all publishers. Um, the inevitable question, what impact has it had on, on your operations and how has the, the society adapted? Well, I'd, I'd give them top marks, to be honest. Um, sort of, <laughs> well done. <laughs> when we realised that we weren't going back, uh, I think you know, the Royal Pharmaceutical Society responded quickly and effectively. Um, we were gifted you know, the usual standard work from home kit. We had a Zoom account and we were allowed monitors and keyboards. And I think the fact is our infrastructure was already set up for working remotely because we all had a laptop and the IT systems supported that. So, you know, we were good to go essentially. Um, and as I said, the, the only things that changed significantly were our publishing plans and that was for, you know, due cause. It had to be done. Um, but yeah, like most other companies, we're still grappling with what that means. So in terms of your, you know, in terms of your marketing team and how you all operate, how, how did the, how did working from home, you know, work? I mean, what, what the challenges you faced? I think we work together really well. We're, I mean, most marketing teams are a social bunch and, you know, we set up our own sort of group WhatsApp and zoom chats whether you know not just about work but just normal conversation that that you would have in the office just to establish some level of normality and just to keep in touch with each other you know you go to work for those social interactions as well and it's good to to know the people that you work with properly and so I'd say the team was great and they responded really well um I've been through a period of um, changes in the team. So I've actually recruited two new people virtually. Um, funnily enough, they live close to each other. So they've met each other for lunch and I still haven't met either of them. So, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you actually recruited during the pandemic? Yes, absolutely. Uh, and what, so what was the, the onboarding, the training experience for you in that situation? I mean, because obviously you're not meeting them in person. You can't sit next to them and, you know, guide them in the normal way. So how did that affect your the onboarding process for those those new team members i guess from their point of view it probably wasn't what they would prefer um because they don't get to you know learn about the individuals because you know i've worked in the office i know what it's like i get the culture and i carry that with me from my from my home office whereas they haven't and they have yet to to get that far so the difference is they haven't had the full experience from my point of view. It's gone smoothly. I'm sure it probably would have been better if we'd have been face to face. But you know, this is the situation we're in. So we're, we're just making the most of it. And as soon as we get back to the office for however long a week that will be, you know, we'll be able to do all the things that have been building up that we would have done, like go for lunch and meet each other. So, yeah, it, they're, they're mature enough to be able to handle it. And is do you think there's a will people welcome going back to the office or do you think it'll be a hybrid situation? You know, people doing more work from home or do you think it'll be a full return? 
Um, I think there's going to be a blending of office and home. Uh, the organisation is consulting with everybody. It's a consensual, mutually consensual arrangement that, that will be come to. Um, let's see, who knows? There's been no sort of mandate set in stone yet, but um, it's it's all been very consultative. Excellent. And your own personal views, do, do, you, do you see it being a mix or what, what would you like to see? Oh, absolutely. I hope it is a mix. Um, I have a four hour round commute. So, oh, right. you know, that okay. is not a sustainable way of life. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, w- I get work done at home and I can, you know, do the ideas generation and the relationship building in the office. So, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to to that blending. Excellent. So uh, I think we might have already touched on it, but, you know, in your role as head of marketing, you know, what what are your objectives? You you spoke a bit about lead generation. Can you give us a bit more detail on that? Um, Yeah. So lead generation, it's making sure that, as I said, with the core principles of what we actually do, making sure any of our communications resonate with the audience that we have taken time to understand. Um, We're just about to implement some marketing technology which will assist us do that better and at bigger scale so that really is the core kind of objective of the team but in terms of my objectives uh, as for my role I, I feel that is to create and articulate a vision and marketing strategy that feels compelling to my team and aligns with the business objectives and then also to empower my team to create their own response to the vision. Um, I don't want to be telling them to, you know, dot the I's and cross the T's. I, I want them to be able to own their own response to how we should achieve that. Um, I want to raise the profile of our team by showcasing their great achievements and just create change when it's needed and support that change when it's needed. And crucially, just make sure we support sales, hit their revenue targets. So when you talk about a vision, is that a vision for the whole company or a vision for your your marketing team? Oh, absolutely. My remit is the marketing team. Um, it's my job to take the organisation vision and make that resonate with the marketing team. But you mentioned um, marketing technology. Um, without naming names, um, you know what 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 is what is the purpose of the the new technology, and what what do you hope it might achieve for you? Oh, the purpose of the new technology is to enable us to send out emails at scale. So um, monitoring our users, prospects and customers' behaviour, understanding how they're engaging with any of our touch points and then using that to score and grade them and put them into appropriate programmes which will build our relationship with them so that if they are a lead, they are highly ready to engage with the sales team when we pass them over to sales or if they are an existing customer that they are aware of any relevant resource that we have available for them so that when they come to renew their subscriptions they either want to upgrade to the new resource or expand the number of licenses that they subscribe with. So is that very much part of of articulating a customer journey working out all the different you know touch points and the potential directions they might go in you know after those touch points it absolutely is yes 
And that's being rolled out at the moment, is it? Yeah, um, it's been a very long, slow project. But finally, all of the teams that we need on board to make it happen are all focused on it. And touch wood, although I have none around me, we should have it live by the beginning or the middle of June. That's very exciting, isn't it? So that that could be a step change in in your operations. It absolutely will be, yes. Um, We have been looking forward to this moment. Excellent. All the best of luck. Thank you. So, so in terms of the challenges you faced, um, presumably that marketing technology is part of meeting those. But what, what are the other challenges you face in, 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 in doing doing your role? Um, well, I'd say because we're a new team, it's about establishing our role within the organisation. And um, you know, there's nothing, there's no forerunner to our role, so it's creating a precedent, which sometimes, um, well, it could be seen as as an issue but actually I find that highly motivating so that's my first major challenge um, after marketing technology Um, I'd say another challenge would be access to audience insight because our audience is so vast and we've got multiple audience segments across the world it's about harnessing any insights we have um, or gathering them in the first place and making them work for us, which I'd say that's quite a big challenge. And will that be partly met by this new technology or is that a separate issue? Um, I don't think the technology is going to help me understand that. It will make me understand the audience that already engages with us, um, Mm. but I'm looking for the opportunity in the audience that we haven't yet reached. Okay. Okay, so what what would you say are the, the the main differences between you know marketing for you know what I call a mainstream B two B? I hope that's not mischaracterizing it, mm-hmm. and um, you know academic and scientific publishing, which is where you're working at the moment. Um, yes, well, I guess I've got more experience in the mainstream side, um, but I would hazard to suggest that in academic and scientific publishing, there's absolutely no place for ambiguity. Um, Marketing communications have to be factual and reflect the values of our content. There's no getting away from that. I think with mainstream B2B, to use your phrase, I think you maybe can get away with a bit more. Oh, really? Okay. So in in what sense? Um, More flowery language, um, exaggerated claims. I mean, (laughs) what kind of things, not naming any names again, but what kind of, from your past experience, what kind of things might other publishers have attempted which you know academic publishers wouldn't try to um i'm not i'm not going to speak for all academic scientific publishers i'm only from my experience but i'd and i'd say mainstream you can be more conceptual you can you know paint a picture i would absolutely not condone exaggerated claims i'm not saying that um you know you can have you could make it humorous i'm not i I can't imagine making any of my marketing humorous um, I just think you can be you could, you've got more to play with with a mainstream B two B message than you have with academic and scientific. Now, in your experience, what are the secrets of effective you know subs membership marketing? I, you probably mentioned a few already, but you know what what are the the key do's if you like of being a successful subscriptions um, marketer? I don't think there are any secrets. I I mean I just go back to the core principles which. I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, I I really, I think you just keep going, keep making changes and adhere to the core principles and, you know, success will come. Okay. 
And in terms of testing, is that that's presumably a, a large part of what you do? Yes, uh, we will be able to do more testing when we have this marketing technology in place. Um, but absolutely, that's fundamental to anybody wishing to to make change. Um, you have to have tested it first and introduce anything slowly. Um, it's the only way we learn. You know, you, you your team has to be engaged in what you want to achieve and get that buzz from analyzing the data when you know looking at the numbers and analyzing the data i you know it has to be the best part of any subscriptions marketing marketer's job or it has in mine anyway um just to you know see the impact that your idea or an idea you built has created I, i think that's that's part of the joy so i think if that person in your team doesn't get that then um, that's gonna be quite tricky to to help them find why it's so enjoyable and in terms of marketing tools and tech we've obviously touched on a bit already but what what would you say the general trends uh, and maybe comparing it with you know the what tech you had when you first started what what are the, the 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 trends you know in terms of you know data gathering data collection data manipulation ai and the rest I, you know, I've lost track of it, to be perfectly frank. I mean, I, I, I keep up to speed with with any sort of information source I can lay my hands on. But there's just so many now, so many new launched, you know, marketing technology platforms. Sometime, you know, they're all promising to make my life easier. I can't pretend to understand what most of them do. Um, I, I think it's about the choice that's available. I think that would be one of the trends that I've seen. Um, it's also, you know, when you're looking at these technologies, you just, you have to understand how they integrate with your existing technologies and understanding that sometimes you need, you know, the developer to to help you get, you know, be able to assess that supplier's promise. So I, I think there's there's a lot of choice and sometimes that can be confusing. Okay. And in fact, just going back to the lead generation aspect, um, which we spoke about earlier, did you use social media at all? I mean, I, I think in certainly B2C um, publishing and marketing, social media is used a huge amount. Is social media used that much in academic and scientific? Oh, in our business, yes. Um, we, you know, we're not sending out multiple tweets a day. We're not sitting on social ready to jump on conversations, but what we're trying not to do is just broadcast messages that say, hey, we've got this product. We are trying to use it as a channel that distribute your know, quality information that people will find useful without asking them to do anything. Just, you know, we need to establish our position in the marketplace and social is definitely a key channel um, to enable us to do that. Uh, and what platforms, what social platforms work better for you than others well we use twitter and linkedin um twitter i think we get most engagement with um because our audience is global and professional it seems to work really well and yeah we've had quite a lot of of noise recently on on the platform so i think probably the strategy is playing playing out okay and you mentioned not wanting to broadcast. Um, how do you ensure that you don't? Because it is very easy, and I'm sure a very obvious mistake a lot of publishers make um, to to just sit there and put stuff out. Um, how do you how do you try to counter that? Um, well, it, 
obviously we do send those types of posts, but I think we, if we are creating a piece of thought leadership content and promoting it via social, it's about positioning it as a way, you know, it's saying that we're supporting our audience. It's not about, hey, we've got a product, buy it. It's about here's some, you know, really interesting information we think you'll find useful. Why don't you check it out? So it's probably less, um, what you say, forceful. So it's about the team understanding that and they are and it's about recognizing that the audience is not sitting there looking at every single post you've pushed it they are sitting there well they're not even sitting there are they they're doing lots of other things and then when they pick up their device they're scrolling through their feed and our message has got to stand out from many other messages and do you try and make it a two-way conversation you know do they come do you get feedback from social media which you feel which you respond to? We all well, we don't. Yes, we do respond to direct messages, but we're not resourced and we're not up for having big conversations on social at the moment. Not saying that that's something I'm discounting. It's just at the moment we are not. Not a priority. <laughs> okay. So, so looking at the future, all you know. Uh, all the things ahead of you, including the new marketing technology, what, what excites you about the future? What, what, what is exciting? I think the exciting thing for me is because the team is new, it's about seeing us establish ourselves and achieving the goals that we've set out and being recognized for that, that, that will be, uh, that's exciting. I think if we can do that, uh, I think it will have all been worth it. (laughs) Uh, and finally, Georgina, you know, outside of work, a question we ask all our guests on the podcast: um, How do you how do you relax? <laughs> well, I I, w- I would say running, but I can't stand running. But <laughs> oh, right. well, why would you say running? In that I case? know it's <laughs> odd, isn't it? Uh, I think it's the concept of the fact I'm having a chat at the same time. So running with friends, it's just. I mean, I'm very lucky. I live in a lovely part of the country, and getting out, getting some fresh air, it's so easy to sit at your desk all day isn't it you know on on your laptop staring at a screen and to go out for some fresh air forget that I'm running because I'm too busy talking um I'd so, say that's pretty relaxing a social runner yes <laughs> oh, excellent excellent um Georgina Rushworth thank you very much for being our guest on the in publishing podcast thank you very much James We would like to thank Advantage CS again for sponsoring this podcast. Advantage CS has been developing subscription management solutions for the information industry since 1979. The comprehensive functionality, adaptability and scalability of its software helps leading publishers around the world manage their businesses more effectively. Find out more at AdvantageCS.com. Many thanks to Georgina for being our guest this time. I particularly liked her emphasis on never resting on her laurels and always looking for better ways of doing things. Georgina wrote an excellent article for In Publishing magazine in 2009 about the changing role of circulation and substeams, which still makes good reading now, 10 years on. If you go to inpublishing.co.uk and search Georgina Rushworth, you'll find it. We must see if we can get her to write another article soon. If you want to know more about Pharmaceutical Press, then check out their page on the Royal Pharmaceutical Society's website, 
ourfarms.com. If you want to get in touch with us, we can be contacted on editorial at inpublishing.co.uk. Thank you for listening and do join me in two weeks' time for another In Publishing podcast. Bye for now. <laughs>